From KMUW Studios in Wichita, Kansas, this is Books and Whatnot. I'm Beth Goulet, host of KMUW's Marginalia Podcast. And I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. This episode was recorded on November 1st. 2021. So any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. We have a special guest today talking about book buying and gifting during the upcoming holiday season. Chris Stevens from Watermark Books and Cafe in Wichita. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. Thanks for being here. Is your title general manager? That is correct, yes. Fantastic. And reader. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Chris, we wanted to talk to you about, you know, great books for the upcoming holiday season, but also what customers can expect, because we've heard a lot, you know, about this whole supply chain thing that's going on. And and I know I've seen the sign on your door that says October is the new December. So what does that mean? And and what should book shoppers keep in mind this holiday season? So we are definitely trying our best to get books in on a regular basis, and that is pretty standard across the whole industry. That being said, there are definitely a lot of supply chain issues that are happening uh, similar to the way that they did happen last year. More than anything, I think it's just a everyone is getting pretty stretched out. Everyone's getting pretty thin. Even though there's been a lot of preparation ahead of time, the fact is once you really get into the swing of the holidays, you have a whole bunch of people who are trying to buy everything all at once. And it's not just the book industry that is finding supply chain issues. Um, all across the board, we are, from what I've been seeing, and part of this is through our cafe, part of it is through just being a consumer going to insert whatever store I've been to recently, there are supply chain issues everywhere. And so unfortunately, we are not exempt from that. That being said, one of the things that we are doing is we are encouraging people to come in early um, and shop for books. We did that a little bit yesterday. It worked out really well. A lot of the busiest parts of our fourth quarter last year moved earlier into the season as opposed to being very last minute, which was good in a lot of different ways. One, in that there was a pandemic and we didn't have everybody Christmas Eve crammed into our tiny store. But also, because people got things done ahead of time, we were able to order in books for people and make sure that everything got there in time. And we were able to counteract that supply chain issue last year by encouraging people to come in earlier, hence October is the new December. You know, I'm curious about, you know, the supply chain issues. The publishers have to know that this is happening. So it's not that you, I mean, hopefully they're not like saying, go buy this book that we can't get to you. I mean, do you have Mm -hmm. like publisher support in this regard? I mean, I, you know, full disclosure, I used to work at Watermark all these, what, 20 years ago is Mm -hmm. when I first started there. You know, there was always like some surprise book or some book that everybody had to have but you know you don't at least that that push is not coming from the publisher right or am I making a wrong assumption there there are a few books obviously that the publisher is pushing saying hey we know that everyone's going to like this book and they do tend to print that book more heavily if it's the Oprah book club book or Good Morning America or Reese Witherspoon or any number of literary affiliations. (laughs) A lot of those books they can kind of see well obviously this is going to be a public interest book and they're going to print it but of course you do always have some of those hidden books that 
people hear about through word of mouth or that the author manages to get into an interesting interview or all sorts of interesting number of things that come out a little bit out of nowhere. Whenever, yeah, NPR has a very interesting interview with an author or, or, mm-hmm. or Beth does a marginalia <laughs> episode, and then everyone wants exactly. the book. So are you finding that, um, that people are actually shopping earlier this year? Or did you see more Christmas shopping in October? Our numbers definitely have gone up a bit in October as compared to some pre-pandemic years. So it's been interesting watching the numbers shift and change. So you're just basically telling people to shop earlier mm-hmm. and just to make sure that, that you have that you either have it in stock or can still order it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if that book that you want to get for somebody isn't available, then we can definitely find a good replacement book for that or a good replacement item. That's what I was going to say, because I feel like booksellers are just the best matchmakers. All you have to do is, you know, y- you might be disappointed. No, you they do not have the book and they cannot get the book. But if you tell them who you're shopping for and what their interests are, booksellers are just amazing matchmakers. And they might just find you a book even better than what you were what you were originally looking for. That is so true. I have experienced that myself. <laughs> Because there's so many books out there. There's so many good, good books out there right now that we are so excited about. I am excited to hear about that. Can we hear about some of those? What's uh, what's really big this year or what are you recommending? All right. There's always at least one or two books that we like to get behind for the holiday season. And these aren't books that necessarily the publisher has been super enthused about. But these are ones that the booksellers in the store have been. So it's definitely a very curated, very... Watermark Books and Cafe specialized pick. This year, we have two of them. One of them is an adult book. One of adult book meaning a book for (laughs) grownups. A very, a very, very adult book. It is not quite that adult. (laughs) Oh well, that's too bad because I would like to hear that one. (laughs) I might have to, you know, hide. We'll talk later about that one. Although I'm sure we can find you that book if you would <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> we have one book that is aimed for adults, and then we have one book that is aimed for children. One of these titles is Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan. And this is an actual Christmas book in that it takes place at Christmas. But it's mostly about what it means to be a good person when all of the choices you could possibly make are awful choices. So the main character of the book is a father of three or four daughters. He's a good husband. He lives in a small town in Ireland. And he comes across a controversy at his church in that this school for girls is not possibly the, the most up-and-up one. There's definitely a lot of abuse. It's one of those where if the girl has made a mistake, they kind of get um, shoehorned into this place. Mm. And so it's a thing, though, that because it's the church and because it's a small town and because you do what you're supposed to do, a lot of these things get swept under the rug. And so at the heart of the book, it's just... How do you make good choices? I mean, when even if even when standing up for that person is going to be the wrong choice for your family and for you in a way, even though you know that that's the right choice. Wow! So th- this is a novel. Is the is the uh, author Irish? I yes, Claire Keegan oh, is Irish. Wow! We love Irish authors here at Books and Whatnot. <laughs> that sounds talking great. to you, John Boyne, <laughs> <laughs> Sally Rooney. Just kid um, is my personal favorite. Oh, you know. Um, things in jars. Yeah, I know giant, she's ma- okay. So hands, Chris yes. is making a heart hands up, up upon her heart for <laughs> things in jars. I love things just... in jars. I love himself. Wait, who, who are we talking about here? 
Oh, sorry. And anybody who hears this from Watermark Books is going to be like, yep, Chris went. <laughs> She's talking about Jess Kidd. Jess Kidd. Jess Kidd is possibly one of my absolute favorite authors. She does. She's an Irish author. Uh, I think she's living in England right now, but I could be mistaken. I don't stalk her quite that closely. <laughs> <laughs> but she writes books that are just interesting and funny. Most of them have a little hint of like a supernatural or paranormal aspect to it. But I like to call it kind of closer to Irish magical realism or, um, you know, you don't really need the ghost in the book. But it really makes for a fun little addition. Well, I've got to dig those up mm -hmm. out of the backlist. Because I remember l hearing you hand sell things in jars mm -hmm. to someone else at the store. And I remember like, you know, how you sort of like listen to other conversations. And you're like, ooh, that sounds good for me too. I remember thinking that. It's actually one of my favorite things to do is to listen to other people sell books. <laughs> and every now and then you'll talk to a customer. It's like a matchmaking process almost. Like I'm going to match you with this bookseller over here because I know the two of you are going to just have a great time exactly. talking about books. Exactly, sort of book twins. Mm -hmm. Or if you find your book anti-twin, that, that's helpful too. You know, if this person tells, if, if I know that this person liked this book, I probably won't. That's just <laughs> as helpful. Oh, yes. <laughs> Getting back to small things like these really quick, why, why I don't know, I, I guess like, so, so you're saying these are sort of curated for the Watermark audience or just kind of mm -hmm. books that your staff are excited about? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to why this one, because of the seasonal angle or? Uh, column A, column B, I guess you could say. Definitely the seasonal angle drew our attention to it. But just in reading it, uh, Claire Keegan has beautiful language and writing. And it's one of those books that as you're reading it, the words disappear a little bit and you see the book itself. It's not very long. It's got a great price point of $20. So it's definitely just one of those books that you can easily go, oh, this needs to be a stocking stuffer. Or, oh yeah, I need to get something for that person. So we'll get them this book. Oh, so you see it as being uh, appealing to a wide audience. Mm -hmm, exactly. Like this is, okay, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Like anyone will love this book. That would be my storied life of A.J. Fickrey. Mm -hmm. You know, I just... You know, you know how I love that book. Can yes, we get that do. in every single episode? We can try. <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by Gabrielle Zevin. <laughs> so tell us about the children's book. That book is called How Beautiful. Um, a caterpillar lives a simple life on his leaf until one day a hand picks him up and goes, oh, you're beautiful. And so that sparks a question of what is beautiful. And so the caterpillar goes around to all of these other animals and asks them, what they think beautiful is. And for instance, a bear declares that the honeycomb is beautiful. The squirrels say leaves are beautiful. A mole says his burrow is beautiful, which doesn't help the caterpillar at all try to figure out what exactly being called beautiful is. But it's it's beautiful, the the book itself. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... I mean, it's it's good that it's talking about beauty, and it's a good thing it's called it How it, Beautiful. And it's a picture book. It is a picture book. It is intended for... I would say around three to six, but you could probably go a little older, a little bit younger if you really wanted to. Um, it's got great quality pages. It's got just this beautiful cover that's purple with this white deer on it. We even have little white deers in the store as well. So if you want to make it a whole set, then we can definitely help with that as well. Before I forget, who is the author? That's How Beautiful. How Beautiful by Antonella Capetti and illustrated by Melissa Castrillon. These illustrations are really stunning. Are Would you say lovely? they're beautiful? <laughs> okay. The, I'm going to work this into every episode. Is. You're oh. a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> explicit, explicit. 
That is beautiful. Okay, so in, so if you're shopping for, you know, one thing I wanted to say too, though, is picture books are can be a great gift for any age, can't they? You don't even have to have a child in your life. No, People, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would appreciate this book. It is an absolutely beautiful book. It's aptly named. But last year, one of the biggest books was The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, the Horse. And that is another example of a book that is one of those books that was written for everybody. Very similarly that I think this one could be as well. Because while it's just a beautiful book with beautiful script and everything, it's still got a message that talks to so many people. And trying to figure out why one thing is beautiful over another thing is not necessarily something that is only for children. But it is, of course, something that children would enjoy as well. Right. That whole beauty is relative message. I love that. Yes. Those are two great ideas. So I do have a couple of other options that a lot of the other employees in the store are really enthusiastic about. Um, for instance, I have a coworker who has been completely in love with Cloud Cuckoo Land, which is oh, the newest book by Anthony Doerr. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is so, so different from his first book. But it is absolutely beautiful from what I've heard about it. She, like, gets giant heart eyes every time she talks about it. That's by Anthony Doerr, mm -hmm. um, the author of All the Light We Cannot See. You got it. Oh, yeah. I've been very excited about this book, and I, I have it in my hands on my shelf, but haven't gotten to it yet. Like I said, it is super, super different, and I think a lot that throws a couple of people off because they expect another version of All the Light you, We Cannot See, but it is just really good, and it still has that kind of timelessness and that, you know, hope that that book had as well. Cool. It's... And it's several storylines that are all throughout time that all focus on this one specific story. All right. I'm very excited about yeah, that. Yeah, Haley, Haley Krauss on our producer read it, and she said that the book grew on her the more she read it. Oh, that's And so. she ended up loving it. So That sounds great. Yeah. Yep, high on my list. What else? Another one that we are all really enthusiastic about is The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So, and that one you have... Um, a gentleman who's just gotten out of prison who is getting ready to go back on the straight and narrow until he realizes that two of his um, former colleagues are in the trunk of his car, which leads him on a whole different adventure than what he originally had planned for. And that's Amor Tolls. Mm -hmm, his newest one. Oh, yeah. Well, and I talked to him. Um, of course you did. Yes, mm -hmm. I did. And <laughs> this, what I love about about this book is you know, even though it starts on the Lincoln Highway up in Nebraska and the plan is to go to the West Coast, but they, you know, because of the two stowaways that Chris mentioned, they, you know, end up going east on the Lincoln Highway. And even though it's set along this Lincoln Highway, quite a bit of the book in memory takes place in Kansas. So there is a Kansas connection, Salina, Kansas, just that's so right. you know. That's where the prison was, right? Or something. It was a boys reform school right. type okay, thing. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read that one either. You know what? I need like, I need a holiday to read all these wonderful holiday recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you won't get one for a long, long time. No, my holiday is going to have to be in January. <laughs> but there's a couple of other really great sure. options as well. Great. Jonathan Franzen, oh. who, if, when you love them, you love them. If you don't love them, then you don't love them. You got to love those authors too, though. Yeah. But he's got Crossroads that has just come out, and... One of the coolest covers I've ever seen. It's a lovely cover. You are absolutely right. Russ Hildebrandt finds himself on the brink of divorce and finds out that his wife has her own secret life, that their oldest child has, you know, secrets of their own, 
that their kids are involved in the counterculture because it's the 1970s and that's you know, dramatic. Family drama. Family drama. Love it. And of course, just, you know, his writing style is something that a lot of people really love. Yeah. Although speaking of other things that people either love or hate. <laughs> I love these two. Right. Uh, State of Terror has just come out, which is the newest one by Louise Penny and Hillary Clinton. And so it's this mystery that has a political tie-in. Yeah, I, I listened to NPR featured that on their Book of the Day um, podcast, and that was a really interesting interview, just how that all came together. Sort of a cautionary tale, they Yeah, said. I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Louise Penny and Hillary Clinton authoring a mystery, <laughs> political mystery. People love Louise Penny. I know. Mm-hmm. I and mean, she does have her other series, her um, Three Pines series does have a new addition to it as well. If you just want something that's, you know, quintessential Louise Penny. Right, like that's like number 12 or 13 or 14 or 72 or something, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, number <laughs> 512. But it's good though. I mean, around the holiday time, if you've got like a, a rabid reader, like kid or something, I always love like gifting a new series because mm-hmm. then you know they can just keep it going. If you love this, there's more where that came from. Oh yeah, series are the place to go, especially when they just get into an age reading group because one, they're going to find something they love, and two, you found the perfect gift for the next four holidays. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> and easy. Easy mm-hmm. and convenient. Didn't Bill Clinton write a book with somebody, too? Yeah, James Patterson. Yes. Okay, I that's what I thought. Oh, so she's just trying to one-up him with Louise Penny. <laughs> you know what? You're well, I think she did. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> no offense, James. <laughs> I'm actually intrigued by that book. I, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. And because you think, oh, you know, do I really want to read something that's authored by not an author? But then when mm-hmm. she's paired, I don't know. It's just such an interesting pairing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's it's unusual because Three Pines isn't really one that would be, you know, state secrets right. and it's not political intrigue, <laughs> you know, terrorism and things like that. Yeah, and I always wonder about dual author books, and there's several out now. It seems mm-hmm. like, and I always wonder how does that work? Like, if you and I were to write a book, Beth, how would that work? You write a paragraph, and then I write a paragraph. Well, it depends. I mean, some people. <laughs> I, it, I'm trying to remember the the author duo, and they might have even had a combined name. But one would write a chapter and send it to the other one, and then they they would just go from there and then send it back. That is just wild. Yeah. I cannot ha- I cannot imagine. You know, I keep thinking of, you know, Hillary Clinton in this and how she is able to, you know, write this book with Louise Penny. But, you know, think about what this is like for Louise Penny. I mean, she, this is a complete departure. And how fascinating would that be to, you know, to think, OK, I have the skills to write and to make this work. And you're providing me with a key to the secrets or something. I don't right. know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. OK, now I want to read it. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> and there's so much else going on in the store, too, around the holiday season. Watermark is just such a fantastic store. It's one of my favorite places in our little town of Wichita here. And um, I just feel like, you know, you can go in that store and find basically anything for anybody. We do our best definitely to help you find something. If you have somebody who's a huge reader, but they've read everything under the sun, we've got books for readers that are about reading. Um, if you Books have about books are some books of my favorite books. books. <laughs> if you oh, like A.J. Fickery. No, that I'm would t- be the, story, <laughs> the storied life of A.J. Fickery by uh, Gabrielle Zevin. I interrupted you, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, um, if you have kids that are not big readers, we've got graphic novels for kids. And one... They're actually fantastic stories. And two, you can kind of feel like maybe you, you know, 
tricked them or encouraged them <laughs> to get right. into books a little bit you know more than they might ordinarily have done so that can be gateways definitely yes and let's not forget you know if if you're just struggling for something can't a, a shopper just go up to one of the booksellers you guys are so helpful there mm-hmm. usually you know you'll, you'll ask if someone needs help but um that you can just say hey you know i'm looking for a book for my dad here are two or three other books that he liked absolutely we love those types of puzzles Um, If you come up to any of us and say, hey, my dad liked book A and book B, then we will probably say, all right, I've got book C, D, E, and F. And G, and H, and I, and J. (laughs) We might start with just a few, just to see where that goes. If you come up and say, I have no information whatsoever, we'll say, wow, that's an even bigger puzzle. And then we'll come up with, like, totally non-connected books and see where it goes. So you could go both ways there. That's very cool. So we are always excited about books about books as well, and one of them is a collection of essays by Ann Patchett called These Precious Days. Um, Instead of her normal fiction, she has a whole book of essays, and it has topics from anything from, you know, reading children's books with her family to um, books and the experiences that have been gained from reading these books. I am, I I love everything you've just said there. (laughs) And Ann Patchett, for me, is an auto buy author <laughs> anything that she puts out ever since bel canto mm-hmm. anything she puts out i i just i you know snap up and you know what else i'm excited about still life yeah still life by sarah winman the author of tin man mm-hmm. she has a new novel coming out i was talking to rebecca from watermark books i believe yes our uh, inventory about, buyer. yes and she said oh that's a yeah that's a really thick one and i was like what because tin man was this it was very slight tiny yeah. little jewel of a novel but she says this one is every bit as wonderful so oh good i'm looking forward to that well chris stevens thank you so much for joining us chris is the general manager from watermark books and cafe in wichita kansas and we just really appreciate your time thank you for having me thanks Well, that was fun. Uh-huh. I, I got a lot of great ideas from Chris. What about you? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. And now I want to go shopping. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I told you I would sing. <laughs> and I told you I'd cut it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that um, Mariah Carey was smashing some pumpkins so she could get on with the, her, uh, yeah, her own Christmas, the, her own best-selling Christmas song like of all time the, the mariah carey song if you want to hear something funny go to youtube and look up all i want for christmas is you alto version <laughs> <laughs> and it is my life because it's basically like ah uh, <laughs> and ah uh. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> look it up it's it's hilarious anyway no i love christmas season and it also To me, this is book season. It's book contest season. It's, you know, big hitter book season. We talked about that a little bit last time. But, boy, the closer you get to the end of the year, the closer it is to, like, you know, sort of big hitter, you know, bestseller books. Right. We're here to talk about some of the books that we've read in October. Yeah, I had a pretty good month. Beth, I'm bringing you and our listeners such variety this month. I have some new new fiction. I have some graphic novels. I have 
some middle grade. I am all over the spectrum, and I, you know, I had a good month. So yeah, good. I'm pretty excited. I think I'm bringing some variety to you. Good. We'll let you all be the judge. <laughs> who who wore it better? <laughs> who read it better? I can guarantee you, it was Beth. <laughs> No contest. Okay, so what's first on your list? Okay, so I wanted first to come back a little bit to Mrs. March by Virginia Fieto. So I had touched on it a little bit in the last episode. I had just finished, you know, I don't know, one or two chapters of it, but was very excited about the premise. I just wanted to come back to tell our listeners, oh my gosh, this (laughs) novel was stunning. I can't believe it was a debut. I cannot wait to read more from her. Essentially, um, it, you know, the premise, once again, really, really uh, quickly, is that Mrs. March is the wife of a best-selling novelist, George March, and she finds out that possibly the character in his latest novel is based on her, and this character is pretty despicable. But that sends her down this rabbit hole of paranoia and psychosis that turns this novel, I didn't know it at the time when I last spoke to you people, (laughs) it turns this novel into sort of a Hitchcock atmosphere. And it was wonderful. And, you know, of course, I read it in October, and it was like spooky holiday season. So it it was perfect for, uh, like, approaching Halloween. So perfect. It was a fantastic novel. It was a really slim novel, super propulsive, a quick read, perfect for, um, you know, sort of cold autumn or winter day so i highly recommend it that again is mrs march by virginia fieto it was um one of my reviews as well i reviewed it oh very good yeah i'm going to talk about two books right now i'm looking at my list and i have a lot of nonfiction on here which is surprising because but how timely because this to a lot of people is nonfiction november oh there you go yeah i see i did try (laughs) you did it's almost like you planned that No, I did not. It was a fluke, but I'm going to go with it. So these two books I'm talking about, one is called Little Pieces of Hope, Happy Making Things in a Difficult World by Todd Dowdy. And Todd is, um, he's the director of publicity and marketing for Doubleday. And when he was riding the train on March 11th, 2020, he was riding the train home and he decided to make an Instagram post and he posted a little list of what he calls, quote, happy making things in a difficult world. And so he decided to just continue to do these Instagram posts. And some people in his life basically said, this is a book. You need to publish this as a book. I have a galley over here that I can kind of show to Suzanne. Yes. Um, And it's so brightly colored too. Yes. And it is, there are illustrations throughout by um, Josie Portello. Basically, he just will have these different lists that have different size fonts, different weight. Uh, I love it. And I, you can see that I have red ink everywhere. Yes, she has some marginalia in there, folks. I, I do. And so every time I would see something I would like, I'm like, yep. Oh, and when I told I him this, that. and he said, well, I hope you also cross things out and write your own, because that's <laughs> what he intends this to be. How neat. Um, you know, March 11th was the day that the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. And so that is important in that he wanted this just to be a positive book for people. Right. And he that's forward thinking at yes. the time, because I don't know about you, but at that time, I wasn't thinking it would last two years. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're smart. (laughs) I was like, oh, this will be over with before basketball season's done. I listen to NPR. That's why. Of course. I was was overly (laughs) optimistic, I guess. That is so cool. I love the way those pages look. It's just um, a feast for the eyes. 
So anyway, that's Little Pieces of Hope, Happy Making Things in a Difficult World. And I I have visited with Todd about this book. And what I love about Todd is that, um, you know, he's director of publicity. So he's the one calling me up saying, can you please, can you please, please, please talk to John Grisham? <laughs> yeah, wow. Will you please just take some of your precious time? Exactly. To to and so he's been, he's worked with all these big name authors. And so you look at the front where the blurbs are, and sure enough, oh, John Grisham, yeah, Chuck Palahniuk. How cool, though, because, <laughs> yeah. and this is a great time of year for that, too. I mean, it looks like it would be a great gift book. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How neat. But then the other book that I want to talk about in the same vein is a book that comes out on November 9th, and it's called. What Just Happened? Notes on a Long Year by Charles Finch. He is the author of the Charles Lennox mystery series. Right, the like Blue the, Death, something mm-hmm. about Blue Death. Yeah, A Beautiful Blue Death, yes. I think it was. But he also um, was recently awarded the Nona Balakian Citation for Excellence in Reviewing from the National Book Critics Circle. So he is a book critic. You, you read his work in, you know, USA Today, The Washington Post, The New York Times. He just he is a book reviewer, but then he also writes books. Right. Well, this was a, a work of nonfiction that also started on March 11th, 2020. But it was almost like just his journal entries from that whole year. Oh, wow. And, and Charles Finch is very outspoken. He's not afraid to be a critic, whether it's books or politics or uh-huh. pandemic or what have you. And so it was really interesting to just get into his head for a year. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that we're at this point now where we can, where, where writers and artists are actually reflecting on this experience we've had. I mean, we're still in the midst of it in a lot of ways. But right. it's, it's been so long that there's going to be this whole collection of, of art that is affected and, and very reflective of this pandemic. These are the first pandemic books that I've read. But what was interesting was as I was reading his journal, I mean, I had forgotten, not necessarily forgotten, but you know how, you know, like after you give birth or after you run a marathon, some hormone is released to make you forget the pain. Right, yes, selective memory. I really think that's what has happened with me with the pandemic because as I was reading his reflections, I thought, oh, yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that. And it's, it's, it was good to be reminded. It gave me pause. And sometimes that's good because oh. some things we should not forget. Uh, it's, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, I feel the same way about September 11th. Exactly. Um, you know, works, you know, um, only playing in the sky and things like that. It's like now it's been so long, 20 years, that you can't put your mind back in that place where you were, but I bet when you're reading this, you can. Absolutely. Oh and he's, you know, I love his writing anyway. He's a fantastic writer. And, you know, I don't need all of my books to be happy. Right. Nor do I. So this would be a good one for what's, us. What's, the, what's it called again? It is called What Just Happened, Notes on a Long Year by Charles Finch. I love that title, too. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you were talking about... Um, the pandemic finally appearing in works because my next book is Bewilderment by Richard Powers. I will qualify everything I'm saying by saying I have never read Richard Powers before. I have wanted to read the overstory for years and I still have not picked it up to actually read it. I have picked it up many times to look at it and to smell it and to think about reading it. And you own it. And I own it. And it is on my really, really top of my TBR list. But, um, but Bewilderment came out and it's a slim little novel and it I don't know, the dust jacket text kind of spoke to me. But it's essentially a father-son story. But it does, he brings in the pandemic and then also just politics in a big way. 
I really liked it. I also reviewed this for KMUW. It was this balance between the father's experience with having a son who had been sort of widely diagnosed, alternately diagnosed as ADHD, OCD. Um, they're, they're both dealing with the loss of um, the father's wife, the boy's mother. And it's just this incredible um, look at, at their relationship. It was just a beautifully done novel. I just, I really, really loved it. Um, the main character, uh, the father, is an astrobiologist. So a lot of it is, and I know that Richard Powers is, you know, sort of science and nature meets literary fiction, which I, I love. And I can't wait to read the overstory, and I will. <laughs> As God is my witness, I'll read that novel. But this one uh, was just a, a little bit quicker sort of dive into his works, and I really, really appreciated it. So that was Bewilderment by Richard Powers. The next one on my list is, it's called Go Far, and it has a subtitle, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life. And this is by a local author, Jennifer Strong McConaughey. I can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, you know, she she works in marketing in Wichita, but she, as long as I've known her, she has always been like an endurance runner. And I had no idea she had, had like added all of these other endurance sports to her repertoire. But the book is not exactly about this is how you become an endurance athlete. Instead, it's these are some of the things that I put into practice with my endurance sports that can help you win at life. And she talks about, you know, how how winning mentally, physically, spiritually and emotionally can just help you both. You know, you it, it can help you in the endurance sport. Right. But just also at life. Body and mind. Exactly. Like. That's so neat. That's. Yeah, I, I mean, I met her briefly when she was up here, and I, I just, I know she's a book person too, isn't she? Exactly, and that's that was another thing I loved about talking with her is, you know, if she wants to do something, she'll read books about it, she'll, like, explore food, she'll just do, you know, just, it's the complete package, it's it's the total education, not just the race. All in. Yeah. Uh, so she, she uh, runs marathons, but then also other stuff like like triathlons and things oh or? yeah oh, um, wow. she does marathons but she'll do like 100 mile races it's what? not just the 26.2 or she'll do um you know the open water swimming i think she's done escape from alcatraz but one we actually talked about was grand canyon rim to rim to rim so oh, you start my. on i think she started on the south rim ran to the north rim and then back I've only done rim to rim, and that was like 23 miles, and I sprained my ankle an hour in. Oh. But so she went, you know, she goes down, across, up, and then down, across, across up again. And, oh, you know, my just in a, you know, a matter of, I don't know, under 10 hours. I know, probably that seven is hours. Insane. Or, I know. I bet those there are a lot of life lessons that you have time to think about while yeah. you're <laughs> sweating and trying to survive those yeah. experiences. How yeah. neat. So would you say that that book is would appeal to even non-sportsy people? Might oh, yeah. be inspirational to them? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So what's the name of that again? That is called Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life by Jennifer Strong McConaughey. Very cool. So my next, I'm going to do two books at a time here too, like you did, because I read two, not one, but two graphic novels. Wow. I'm sorry, one graphic memoir and one graphic novel this month. Um, the first one was actually Dune, the graphic novel, <laughs> book one. Because, you know, the Dune movie was coming out. I have people in my life who are devoted to Dune and think it's the best novel ever. And the novel itself 
was just a little intimidating to me. So I decided before I watched the movie to pick up this graphic novel, which is actually adapted by Brian Herbert, the son of Frank Herbert, the author of Dune. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, what I can say about the graphic novel is that it gave me a really good sort of solid understanding of the plot and the characters of Dune before heading into the movie theater, which I also appreciated and enjoyed. You know, um, there's a a mother-daughter, Jesse Wise and Susan Wise Bauer. They've written The Well-Trained Mind and The Well-Educated Mind. The Well-Educated Mind, I believe, is for adults who did not receive the classical education growing up, and it's just how to get that. But The Well-Trained Mind is for people who are either homeschooling or they want to supplement their child's um, education. But their idea is, you know, they divide all of time, like books into these time frames, right? Uh Uh-huh. And like in um, the first time frame, which is probably ancient, they say read that like in first grade. And then you go to like medieval or whatever, and you do that in second grade, and then third grade. Yeah, you keep like going. magnet schools based on this concept. Probably so. So <laughs> then core, core knowledge. That's what. Yeah. In then in fifth grade, you repeat the books that you read in first grade, except it's a little bit different version. So like you might have a picture book of the Iliad. You might you might read Black Ships Before Troy. But then in fifth grade, you might read an abridged version of the Iliad. So, so then by the time a... you get in ninth grade and you're reading the full-fledged Iliad, you know what it is that you're, you know the characters, you know the plot, and it just helps you like dip your toe in. That's what you did with Dune, with the graphic novel. That is true. Yes. I, exactly. I did the first grade version of Dune. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old. That's how I approach Dune. <laughs> and it's a good thing, too, because there were a lot of long words in that <laughs> Because there was a lot of weird names of both people and planets. So, yes, that is I, I embrace that and I own it. Yes, I took the well-trained mind approach to Dune. Yes, you did, without even knowing it. Yeah, So, although I did do the graphic novel first and then the movie, which is like going backwards a little bit. In, well, because it's such a passive activity, the movie. But now, you're right. Now maybe 12 years from now, I could maybe pick up Dune and have a little... You already know what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> but it was, it was, I tell you what, it was a good... It, it was a nice sort of approach and graphic novels are so... I don't do it all the time, so it's... A nice little break, a nice little reprieve from from other types of reading, which then made me want to pick up the other uh, graphic memoir that I read this month, which was Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant by Roz Chast. And Roz Chast is the New Yorker cartoonist. So, so funny. This book is not very funny. It has funny parts, but it is about her. Have you read it? No, but I'm aware of it. Okay, yeah. So it is um, a graphic memoir in, in sort of cartoon form um, about her dealing with her aging parents. And, I mean, wow, what a universal sort of topic that is. And the older we get, the more that's an issue for, for me personally. She takes sort of a, a cartoon approach to, you know, that experience, her her parents getting to the point where they weren't, comfortable or safe in their own house but not realizing it themselves and the struggle around that and to get them to someplace safe she talks very candidly and very openly about the cost of elder care and how stressful that is and um, just all of the 
sort of competing emotions that go on when you're dealing uh, with that kind of experience. But it's so well told, and it is, uh, I mean, just, you know, there are very, very sad parts because it's about, you know, aging and death. Um, so, so go in forewarned about that. But I really, really highly recommend it. And it was, I believe, nominated for the National Book Award that year. I think year. you might be right. Yeah, I think so, um, which uh, doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's obviously an odd, odd choice for National Book Award, but um, it was so well told and so well done. I highly recommend it. Once again, that was Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant by Roz Chest. The title, by the way, is a quote from her mother when she wanted to talk about like, hey, you guys, what do you guys want in your, you know, later years? What do you want to happen? You know, do you, they weren't necessarily talking about funerals or cremation or anything like that, but her mom was quick to change the subject. So can we talk about something more pleasant, which is the, you know, approach a lot of us have. <laughs> I think that's going to be the name of this episode as well, because look <laughs> at what we're reading. You know, normally I take out our laughter. I think I'm going to have to put in some canned laughter because <laughs> our choices are so dour. I mean, we have some we have some pandemic reads. You have You're right. <laughs> Can't, that's right. There we are. There's our, our show title. Can't we talk about something more pleasant? Well, you know, the days are getting shorter. <laughs> the, there's less daylight. You know, we are in the dark times of our reading. I want to talk about a couple of books. They're not out yet. I do have interviews scheduled with the authors, but because we're talking about um, gifts for Christmas or gifts for the holidays, and we want to make sure people have enough time to get them, I want to mention them. Good so, idea. So I have an interview scheduled on November 17th with a gentleman named Max Greenfield, and the name of the book, it's a juvenile picture book, and it's titled, I Don't Want to Read This Book. Max Greenfield, you will recognize him maybe if you watch TV. He plays Schmidt on The New Girl. <gasps> he plays uh, Leo in Veronica Mars. He plays, I don't remember the name of the neighbor, but in The Neighbors, is that what it's oh, called? Uh, the I Neighborhood. Know Schmidt. I know Schmidt. <laughs> I don't know those other shows. But. He was in Gilmore Girls. Wow. So anyway, um, he was inspired by his daughter who was, you know, had an aversion to reading. A reluctant reader. Yes, and I, um, you know, I could relate, even though my daughter is 25 and she's going to kill me for saying this, but I also yeah. had a reluctant reader. Haven't and, we all? <laughs> and so I just, I loved it. And there's actually a li little video going around right now of his kids reading it. How sweet. And the daughter, Lily, who was the inspiration, she just has this one part in the video where she goes up to the camera and she's like, bangs, bangs, bangs. <laughs> Like you are your father's daughter. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh, what a cute book. So it is a picture book. It's a picture book. And it's, um, what I also like about this is, this is a reach, but there's a book out there called, um, oh. I want to see it. Oh, that, that's a reach as well. <laughs> I'm reaching for the book because I want to thumb through it. There's a talking. book out there called Sleeping Freshmen Never Lie. And I think it's by David Lumbar. Um, and what I love about that is is the kid who's the protagonist, who the narrator, um, anytime he learns something new in English, like he might learn something about first person, whatever. And so that next chapter is written in that. Oh, how And so cool. what I love about this is it's like paragraphs. I don't know. I don't even want paragraphs. And then there, that page has paragraphs or chapter, chapter books are for people who have nothing to do. And then the next page says <laughs> chapter two. And so I just loved that it was, and it was just very demonstrative. It was, you know, the illustrations 
just are perfect for what the words are yeah, saying. Very, oh, yes. And <laughs> almost onomatopoeic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this kind of gives me vibes of there's a monster at the end of this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, don't turn the page, whatever you do. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. oh, how sweet. That is really cool. I could think of a number of children who would appreciate that book. So that book comes out on November 9th. It's not quite out yet. It will be out, It'll be out by the time drops. this drops. Yes, yeah. you can get it in a, in a bookstore near you. Yes, and that is um, I Don't Want to Read This Book by Max Greenfield, illustrated by Mike Lowry. And then the other one is another juvenile picture book. Um, it's been 10 years since uh, A Sick Day for Amos McGee won the Caldecott Medal. And... Aaron and Philip Stead, they're a husband and wife um, author-illustrator team. They are returning with a new story featuring the zookeeper and his animal friends from that book. And it's titled Amos McGee Misses the Bus. And it's available beginning um, November 23rd. And I, I've interviewed... I interviewed Philip Stead one time. It was supposed to be the both of them, but it ended up just being the author for this book that it came out a few years ago. And it was one that he wrote with Mark Twain called The Purloining of Prince Oleomargarine. And it's, I mean, I have it right here. I'll show you this one too. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? So that is, oh you know, that gosh. is Aaron Stead's signature style, at least oh, from what I can tell. Is it what? Is it um, watercolor or colored pencil? Oh my God. Well, she gorgeous. does a lot of different, like, I think in the back it says like woodcuts and. Oh, I mean, wow. Yeah. Any. Oh, adults would appreciate this, too. Now, you're looking, though, at the purloining of Prince yes, Ilya Margarine. Still, I'm sure the but second one's good, too. The, the, the Amos McGee books are, are similar in style. Wow, how beautiful. And if it's coming out November 23rd, you best just pick it up that day or that week or something. Yeah, because, I think so. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I, okay. I get to visit with them in a few weeks as well. So you should oh, look forward to that interview as well. I will. Um, I'm actually, the last book I'm bringing uh, this month is uh, some middle grade fiction. And I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are familiar with R.J. Palacio and Wonder, mm-hmm. the amazing middle grade novel that was then turned into a movie that then became this whole sort of enterprise with uh, wonder journals and the whole movement around uh, th- that novel or that middle grade novel was about a disfigured boy and sort of getting through life. And there were also animals and sick animals in that. But anyway, it was a tearjerker of a novel, just a very, very memorable. And that sort of, and I don't know if that was her debut. Yes, it was. Wow. She was working for Workman at the time. I met her at a, I met her at a party in New York. Well, I wasn't even aware. And what did you do at that party, Beth? <laughs> Just knocking one back. Um, but anyway, I um, wasn't even, this wasn't on my radar until, I don't even know what, what put it on my radar, but I, I was like, R.J. Palacio has a new book out? What? What? Um, this is a complete departure, but also wonderful. It's called Pony, P-O-N-Y, <laughs> like, the, like the horse. Um, but this is almost a little bit, Historical fiction, I mean, it's set in the early 1800s, so there's that going on. There's uh, essentially the premise is um, this boy, Silas, um, he's awoken uh, at night by three men on horses who arrive unannounced and take his father away. He doesn't know what's going on. The other thing you should know about this boy is he has an imaginary friend, a ghost friend named Mittenwall that accompanies him everywhere. The one of the the men's horses comes back after his father is gone. This pony comes back and becomes you know Silas's 
partner in his journey to, to find his father. There are many, many levels to this novel. I just want readers to go in knowing that this is not wonder. It is just a, a completely different kind of experience. Um, it's Again, it's not contemporary. It's not a contemporary story. But apparently in reading, and, I, and always, always read the author's note if you can, because that tells you a lot about sort of what inspired the book and the kind of research that went into it. And she apparently, R.J. Palacio, got really, really interested in a couple of things, one being like early daguerreotype photographs and all of the sort of science that went into that, the early early years of photography. She really, really started researching that. So Silas's father is in, into that. There's a lot there. And then also sort of metaphysical, you know, presences and, and ghosts and things like that. So anyway, it, it all, it sort of interweaves very beautifully. There are some very, very memorable scenes in this novel that are just super sweet and yeah, reminiscent of, in that way, of wonder, the relationship with the father and son, for instance, and on that relationship level and how these people care for one another and how they're, you know, and, and then there are some, some mean people too. There's always got to be villains. Um, but I highly recommend it. It was a wonderful reading experience. And, you know, R.J. Palacio, way to go. Um, I mean, how do you come back? How do you, how do you release something after something that was as big as wonder? I always wonder, I wonder that <laughs> of authors. I, it's got to be an incredibly, it, just incredibly intimidating. But um, I just, I love this in every way. So that's Pony by R.J. Palacio. I am not going to describe these books. I'm only going to list them because I think I might get to check off a thousand books thing. For school, I read Hard Times by Charles Dickens, and I read The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde, and that's the one I think is in the book, so I'll yes, have to go back and it see. it has to be, certainly. That's that's like his, I mean, other than Dorian Gray, isn't that like the... Right, the, and like I haven't read Dorian seminal. Gray either. No, I haven't God, either. I'm such a loser. Clearly. <laughs> Well, that seems like a good place to stop. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> that would be. We could. We could stop there. I just wanted to say we're getting into the last two months of the year, and this is, if you're doing a reading challenge, the time when you really start putting putting on the gas, you know what I mean? You start, like, really going, oh, goodness, what um, what categories do I have left? So uh, I think the one left uh, in my Read ICT challenge is a challenged book. A challenged or banned book, and then um, I also need to read one from the Kansas Notable Books list, mm. and there's so many to choose from. So that's going to be on my um, to-do list for this month for sure. If you have some blanks on your challenge lists and you need some recommendations, we would love to hear from you because we can help you with that. Um, you know, there. Go ahead. Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> is what I was going to say. What a great idea! Yes, and this is how you can reach us. You can email us at podcasts at kmuw.org. We are on Twitter at Books and Whatnot, all spelled out, and also at Suze Perez ICT and at Beth Golay. We are also on Instagram, Books underscore and underscore Whatnot. So reach out. We would love to hear from you, and we would love to make recommendations. Yes, that would be great. I'd love hearing from our listeners. Thank you for listening. Just keep turning those pages. Bye-bye, Beth. Bye. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Statzer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can find more conversations and a list of books discussed, plus Beth Golay's marginalia interviews and Suzanne Perez's book reviews at kmuw.org.